Is it? Am I gushing? Is it just me, or or I'm tingling after that first episode? Even though I've heard this so many different times in a different mindset, in a different setting, and gleaning all of the wisdom that was shared during this 30-minute interview, which flew by, by the way, it was ridiculous. I know what's coming in this episode, and I'm excited for people to hear it and the lessons that are going to come along with it. I agree. I agree. It's so basic, but it's so out there. It's yeah. it's so basic that we most of us overlook what she's talking about. It's right. like, um, yeah. So, so what? Do what she does. Right. Try it. Like we can imagine it. Like, oh sure. yeah, I could do that. Yep. How many people are doing it? That's what's so astonishing about yep. the interview. That and you just kind of gave a spoiler alert because there's a point here where I'm going to break out and discuss what we had in a in a very private conversation on the way back to the the airport. So today is Monday. It is apropos because Sarah is basically hitting on every single day of our themes from obviously gratitude into leadership and her leadership on this is is bar none. And then tomorrow we'll be going into our typical Tuesday selfishness theme. And I've got, I've got some good news for you. What's if that? you liked this, I'm interviewing Sarah again. Oh, totally I... different topic. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope they like it. If you don't, you done fucked up, son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Gift of the day. Some of the best leaders are quiet. And so what I'll do here is I will, like the TV does nowadays with their shows, the, the last 10 or 15 seconds of what just happened before the commercials is going to be replayed to refresh your memory. And it'll start with the question that I ended on. And I think this is going to be so good because when you think of leadership, you think of, of leading others. Well, Sarah's a champion of her own health and yes. her own self in this. And that's hard. It's hard leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. Sarah's interview part two. I say two in French again. Duh. Duh. Love it. Tell us what it was like when you figured out that this was going to be behind you? Oh, I would say once I realized that I was getting better, mm -hmm. it wasn't until I didn't, because you can remove the physical pain, but the mental trauma is usually still there. Wow, right. And so it didn't mentally hit me mm. until I had pure physical relief. So like I had, you know, like, Physically, I was getting better, but I didn't mentally realize that until I was completely better. Um, and so, you know, when you stop feeling like, I don't want to say stop feeling, but when you're constantly in pain and then all of a sudden you're not in pain, yeah, it kind of is like you feel everything and everything's so surreal. Right. Um, and you don't know what to do because you were so wow. held back. But then you're not held back anymore. She doesn't go into it, but she was a champion of finding her own cure or drilling down. Like what happened? She obviously had the help of doctors. Was she living? Did anyone know about this illness? It had mm. to certainly be obvious. I hope I'm not betraying a trust because part of this conversation, I drilled down off air as we were taking our long walk back to 
the airport uh, one-on-one. Um, I asked her what her illness was, um, and I'll just keep that out of it. Um, but I also asked, you know, as far as the curative process went, uh, why did it take five years? And she humbly admitted that she was somewhat embarrassed about it. She was scared. Fear drove a lot of her... her Who can't relate to that. Right. She didn't want to acknowledge that it was happening that, it, that and it was progressively getting worse, so she was hiding it. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've all done that. Every single one of us. Yeah. So she eventually had to come clean and had to ask for help, but it had been going on for a couple of years progressively. And then finally it got to the point where it couldn't be ignored anymore. And that's when she reached out, and it still was a journey. It was a couple of years okay. of tests and things that weren't adding up. And you know how the medical field is. It's, it's imperfect, right? <laughs> yes. so it's it's your, your person's best guess. And then finally, resolution uh, after five years of suffering. Thank you. Of course. All I'm doing is pushing a button with my finger. <laughs> but I'll take the thank you any day. Um, so I'm, I'm getting the sense that you're not really speaking of euphoria. Like you actually had some level of psychological conflict or trauma with the idea of being free from your pain? Yeah. I mean, if, what? if you're like physically in pain the whole time, like you cannot do anything. Like I would go on a half mile jog and I would taste blood in my mouth. Like that's, that was the oh point and where I was. And so when you remove that physical pain, you end up, you mentally you're, you're in a different state Wow! because you're mentally constricted when you're in that, in that much physical pain. And then when you let go of it, it's like your brain doesn't know what to do. Right. It's, it's, it's chaos in a sense. It is. Regardless of the positivity that's attached to it, it's chaos nonetheless. Mm -hmm. It's just now hitting me. And you can see it's hitting me, and I'm yeah, almost yeah, embarrassed because I'm tearing no, up. No, it's okay. I, I don't know you from, from anybody, and, and now we're sitting here, and I'm crying in front of you. <laughs> um, but that that is so profound. And that's I'm, I'm just going to make the leap. That's, that's where you get your sense of gratitude from, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, experiments showing humans when we don't – it was like there's a bunch of experiments. You look at it, and it's like when we're given something, and then we get it taken away. Yeah. We feel it a lot more than if we just never had it. Right. You know, if we never, you're like, we never really realize it. Like, so for example, if let's say you, you've always had your health, you've always been healthy. You don't really realize it. You know, some people don't really get sick until the end, like Mm -hmm. sick, sick until the end. Right. And they don't realize how important their health was until the very end. Right. Um, I was one of the people that had it taken away really young. Yep. So when I got it back, it was like totally different experience. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely wish you well in your piloting career and your real estate career. I'm biased. I have to say you have a greater gift to give this planet. And just this simple conversation that we're having, our initial conversation that we're having. <laughs> First one. You really belong in front of an audience. You really should write a book. You really should get out because I think you owe it to yourself and humanity to spread this wisdom. I I see a lot of elders because I'm a gerontologist and I did the the whole death and dying thing. Just exactly like you were saying, 
it's at the end of life. They have their their fun. They can look back at their great memories. They they maybe left it all on the field. Hopefully, they left it all on the field. But there was also a level of expectation that this was going to happen. For you, it's a totally different experience and a gift. I know that's going to sound sideways to a no. lot of our listeners and probably not so sideways to you no. at all. No, it was surprisingly, it was probably one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Right. Because it's made me who I am today. That is there, there's there's so much in there. I kept wanting to pause it and comment on each one of the things that she was saying throughout that process. And I, and I do admit that I, I was uh, very emotional. Um, part of it was feeling her empathy. And I wish sometimes I could turn off that, that doula heart <laughs> because I felt um, her pain. But I also it was exacerbated by unresolved and unrecognized pain that I had had during certain times in my life where I had significant ailments. And... Like I said before, post recovery, um, I didn't really understand the the same challenges that she endured. I, I couldn't quantify because it didn't make any logical sense that I would still have trauma. Right. I just felt like I should be shot out of a cannon and totally euphoric, and 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 part of it was that, but there was a lot of baggage I still carried surrounding those situations in in my life post recovery. So there's that, and then there's the the whole idea of you you don't appreciate what you've got until you've lost it. That, please, 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 somebody write that down, put it in your closet, put it on your dashboard. Don't wait until you've lost something to appreciate it. And that's, that's I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about physicality. I'm talking about cognition. I'm talking about finance. I'm talking about everything. We tend not to appreciate something until it's gone. And then there's the, the final point that I, I'm coming away with from, from her conversation is when I see the folks that I, I see at the end of life, the regret is what eats them alive. And this is where I broke off and I had this candid conversation with her on the way back. And this is, again, what bonds us together she took a deliberate path. She took the post-recovery and said, oh my God, I'm given a second chance. I'm going to go live life to the fullest. That was a choice. So you've got three choices, really, in my opinion. You've got the, oh my God, I'm going to go seize the day, right? Carpe diem. Then you've got the folks that are like, meh. Didn't really learn anything from it. I'm just going to go on my path and go, thank God that's over. And then you've got the other, the victims. The look what happened to me and I'm stunted and I'm, I've got an anchor dragging me down and the universe did this to me. And they, well, I'd be happy because I'm just going to be miserable, right. you know, later. And Or that they actually enjoyed being in the shit. We know people like this that enjoy having that rain cloud over them and they actually welcome having an affliction. It feels comfortable to them right. or they've gotten comfortable right. in that pain. Right. Let me tell you something. I know people get upset when I cast judgment upon that personality style. I'm doing it out of love and concern, not just out of my dismay because the strong warning I'm going to give you, I see you. I see you in your hospital bed. 
I see you at the end of life and I hold your hand and you look at me and say, oh my God, what have I done? Why are you looking at me and not blinking? <laughs> I'm pretending like I'm looking out at the audience. Uh, okay, that was kind of laser. Yeah, yeah, you were totally I'm, I'm focused. very and serious. You are very serious. Yeah. You started Red Kite. That's how serious you are yes. about what you've seen and yeah. what you felt, what you've experienced, what you refuse to succumb to, what you've right. learned and refuse to do in life or not do right. in life. And let me let me quantify it to, to how I symbolize what my mission is, what our mission is. What if you saw that everyone had drank poison and that you possess the antidote? Wouldn't you feel a moral obligation to share the fucking antidote? Ooh. This is how I see humanity. Ooh. Because fortunately for me, and unfortunately for all of you, my career put me in a position where I saw it face to face. The end of life of over a thousand people. And that message is strong. And it's the antidote. You've all drank the poison, folks. You don't know it necessarily. Sarah found the antidote. And that's why I think Sarah should be on board with traveling and lecturing. And it's interesting, something you said about how emotional you got when she was speaking. And you don't know if that's because of what you went through, what you were holding on to at the time, which is funny because I haven't had a life threatening <laughs> um, ordeal in my life. So when I hear her talking, I get a different reaction ah. and I feel like it's, oh my God, she's so happy and yeah. she made it sound so easy. What struggle? I could do that. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like she gives me that booster to say, if she can do it and sound like this, I can do it. Oh yeah. I mean, to me, listening to her, it was the equivalent of that iconic scene in when Harry met Sally, when Sally fakes the orgasm in the <laughs> restaurant and the woman looks over and says, I'll have what she's having. I want what Sarah has. And I feel like I'm halfway there and that I'm getting that message out to other people. Most people aren't even a 10th of the way there. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I want that feeling without going through the pain. And no. I feel like listening to all yeah. these stories, again, getting all the reminders from what you've right. seen and the people you've interviewed. It's like, I'm getting closer to having that real authentic feeling without having going through the pain. And I feel like right. that's what Red Kite is all about. Let's get that pleasure right. authentically without having to go with the pain. And if you yes. are in the pain, we're here to help. Right. And spoiler alert, she doesn't know this, but we're hooking her up with the folks at Stanford Medical for her to go in and speak to people that are in the shit with their illnesses and for her to show them that there is something to look forward to and to, to fight like hell and that she's living proof on the other side. There's, there's that aspect, but to come full circle with kind of the overarching message of all of this, all three episodes, you shouldn't have, 
to have an amputation to appreciate your limb. So if you can, if you can take these words for gospel and absorb it and appreciate everything that you've got in your world today and exercise it to its fullest with circumventing the, the pain part, <laughs> that's winning. Yeah. And I think what you said about the limb, it's, it's, it's a tangible thing. Right. We can all imagine what it would be like not to have a certain limb. Sure. It's hard sometimes to imagine having no life or giving it all up or right. being bedridden. You know, we, we all shamefully think that'll never happen to us. Of course. And we take it for granted. Yeah. Losing a limb is a little bit more digestible because I mean, you could be doing anything in the day and right. all of a sudden yeah. lose a limb. Does that make sense? Like I it feel does. like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that won't happen to me for another 40 years. Sure. I, I'm not, I'm gonna be fine. But realistically, you can lose a thumb tomorrow. Yeah. We were just cutting up some charcuterie. I could have lost a finger. You could have, yeah. and you almost bit mine off getting to it. So it's true. And I feel like that's, if you can just digest that little nibble yeah. to get to the foundation, you're going to keep realizing the bigger picture. Right. And then again, some selfless promotion in our fun shops. We have a fun shop on gratitude called Yako Key. And we do exercises throughout the days as little icebreakers and, and kind of making sure that people aren't overwhelmed with the information dump that we're giving you. And some of the exercises are so amazingly profound. People come to them just for the exercises mm -hmm. and they walk out feeling just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm reborn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Back, back to the interview. Exactly. And who you were going to be in the future. And mm -hmm. so I, I guess one of the questions that I immediately have is, I mean, obviously I recognize that in you when we first met, just the, even the first meeting <laughs> we were each getting out of our planes and you were so interactive and so effervescent and so uh, social, like right out of the gate, like no fear at all. There's no fear in you. No. At all. None, none whatsoever. And, and, and just even ordering this, this drink, you were like, nah, I, that's not going to work. Let's, let's change it up. And like you were insistent on changing it up. And I'm like, damn, she's got balls. <laughs> so now I know oh, yeah. where it comes from. Like you are on fire. I guess the question that I have is, aside from me, how the hell do other people handle you? Like when they see you, <laughs> Wait, no, they, they must be like, no, what? No, it's not that bad. And there's the, there's the, also the other thing I didn't, I didn't mention your humility about it. You're so humble about all the stuff that you're doing and the reveal will come at the very end. That's going to knock everybody else's fucking socks off. But how do other people respond to you? Can they even keep up with you? Do they, do they get engaged and do they get excited? And, and do you have that, like that, uh, trail behind you of people that are like in your wake going my god i want to follow sarah because she knows how to live life truly i mean partially yes so people who know kind of all the things i do tend to like they'll be like they want you know advice on where to start and i'm more mm -hmm. than happy to give it to them and you know tag them along in like the things that i do but i don't usually tell people everything that i do like, so when I go to school and I work on computer science, yeah, that's, I'm a computer scientist there. Um, when I do aviation, I'm a pilot. When I do real estate, real estate. Mm -hmm. It's just because when I tell, it's not even telling, it's just, I, I don't think of telling people everything I do. I mean, if it comes up, yeah, I'm more than happy to, you know, start a conversation, but sure. I think people get overwhelmed. Um, 
Singapore is almost impossible to believe. <laughs> yeah, I got that too. Like yeah. people are like, show me proof of like photo evidence that you fly. And I'm like, right. I'm like, what? what? No. I mean, but you know, it's just if it comes up in conversation, I talk about it. If not, then I got a million other things to talk about. You know, yeah. so unbelievable. And you, you, you put an image in my head, and I'm going to take you up on the offer. You, one of the, the other things that you want to do, something that I'm terrified to even consider, <laughs> is to fly a plane that lands on the water. Oh, seaplane! A seaplane, thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell it's called, because I've ruled that out so distant <laughs> no. that I'm never going to do that. But you want to go fishing on lakes, just hop from lake to lake to lake and go fishing. Oh, hell yeah. How tranquil, how amazing. And, and what a unique way to do things. And, and I'm holding you to the fact, and my listeners will now know that you gave me an offer to go with you. Oh, heck yeah. Um, I will be your co-pilot. I'll, I'll, I'll be your bitch. Hey, and, let's do it. <laughs> and we'll go fishing. But um, it's just little things like that that just you're, you're dropping along the way. I'm just, I know that there's so much more ahead of you. And I'm, I'm excited, and I, I, I want to stay in touch. I, oh, it's heck yeah. terrible timing that I'm heading out to Europe for three or four months. Uh, but I'm definitely going to, I'm a huge fan of Sarah right now, a huge fan of Sarah. And I think that our listeners are going to be a huge fan of Sarah and can't wait to see what's next because I know you're not going to stop with just aeronautics, engineering, real estate. It's just going to keep coming. I mean, it's boring to stop. I'm exactly I've, after I got better, it was like, for sure I became uncomfortable with being comfortable. So that is a fantastic place to put it on pause for and day she gave two. the homework yeah I, I was just gonna say she's she's how much homework is coming from just this portion it's unreal i love it get on or get comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah unreal challenge challenge accepted and i i, I i'm following in her footsteps uh i thought i was leading the way but now i'm following she really knows how to go about this and if you look at all of the uncomfortableness, all the situations as lessons and how to get better at it, right. and that failing is fine, Yeah. if you completely mess something up, but you learn from it, yep. it's not going to be so uncomfortable next time. Right. And that's when I say again, keep that that thank you journal and say, yeah. Hey self, thanks for being so courageous during X, 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 because you came through. Yeah. I, I just think that's something the, the, the younger generation, I sound old, but they're not experiencing that. They're not being allowed to figure it out on their own, to challenge themselves. And it's, it just frightens me what they're going to do when they're 20, when they're too afraid to, to do anything or to fail or again and i sound like uh, one trick pony on infinite repeat i worry about them when they're in their passing phase and i'm not going to give a numerical value to that because once again we don't know when our time is up we don't know what our expiration date is but when you get to a point in your life where it is technically and and realistically too late that's when you have to live and endure and somehow overcome the regret of not taking the shot if how can you win if you don't take the shot the worst case scenario is you missed the shot but you took the fucking shot was clearing level 150 really worth your time in the basement 
playing video games. Right. Was that the pinnacle of your existence? Or again, I'm going to harp on the TikTokers and, and there's a kind of a spoiler. We're going to talk about that in the next episode tomorrow when we go deep down into selfishness with Sarah for good purpose. She she mentions that and we we kind of not attack it, but we we discuss it. Get out there and fly that kite. Y'all coquines.